The Everyday Style School podcast is sponsored by The Style Circle, the monthly membership where you can learn all the skills you need to ditch wardrobe overwhelm, style yourself like a pro, and gain the confidence you deserve. The Style Circle offers classes, wardrobe guides, support, and personalized advice from me. It's the most affordable way to get the professional style guidance you've always wanted. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com to get started today. Hey there, welcome back to the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe style can be easy and getting dressed should be fun. I'm your host, Jennifer Mackey Mary, and today we're finishing off our 10 rules for a fabulous functional wardrobe series. Like I told you in part one, 10 rules is my favorite topic when I am doing speaking engagements, talking to big groups. And since those aren't really happening these days, I'm bringing the whole thing to you. In this episode, we'll recap where the rules come from and what the first five are, but you'll definitely want to go back and listen to part one if you haven't. I'll add a link in the show notes, but first, here's what else we're talking about today. In Lessons from Linda, I'm sharing why I had a strict no-guest policy when working with clients. In Vocabulary, I'll explain the difference between Fair Isle and Intarsia, a couple of terms you might see when it comes to sweaters. And in Philosophy, we're going to talk about deals. But let's kick things off, as we always do, with Lessons from Linda. Back in the days when I was seeing clients one-on-one, either for shopping trips or editing their closets, there were a lot of women who thought this experience sounded a lot like a fun girl's day. Like we were going to sip champagne and giggle and try on clothes. And you know what makes a fun girl's day even more fun? More girls. Women would want to bring their friends, their sisters, their daughters, their mothers. Super fun, right? Those who are listening, who I did get to work with one-on-one, know that working with me was nothing like that. I was a taskmaster. I was a fun, happy taskmaster, but I was on a mission. I had a couple of short hours to whip their closets into shape, whip their wardrobes into shape, or refresh their wardrobe, sometimes from the ground up, and I needed to make every moment count. I said to more than one client on more than one occasion, we can talk, but you need to be trying on clothes while we talk. It was more like that than exchanging secrets. Also, there was no champagne. You don't want tipsy me helping you make outfits or buy pants. No, these were work sessions for me and for my clients. But lots of them went into it thinking that it was going to be that fun girl time and they would want to bring guests. And when I was new and less bold and frankly, less bossy, I allowed it. My clients always said, oh, she's just going to come along and watch. She's not going to get in the way at all. That was never true. Not one time. One of two things would happen. Somewhere along the line, the tag-along Linda would either try to become the client or try to become the wardrobe stylist. For the first one, that was just kind of mildly annoying because it meant that I had to work double time and split my mental and physical efforts between two people. I always felt like I was shortchanging my actual Linda, but you know, I couldn't just say, listen, tag along, Linda, we're not here for you. So I did my best. I quickened my pace and I did what I could. The second one was a much bigger problem. The one where tag along Linda wanted to play wardrobe stylist. I've talked on the show often about my process, right? Prioritize the needs, solve pants first, don't deviate from the list, stick to the budget every single time. Tag along Linda didn't have a process. She didn't know that pants solve more problems than tops do. She didn't understand that just putting 
cute things into someone's wardrobe without a strategy makes things worse, not better. But the one thing Tagalong Linda did have was advice. Lots and lots of advice. Oh, that would look cute with a belt. Oh, you need this necklace with this dress. Oh, look at this sweater. You should try this on. And if it was a mother-daughter duo, it would often get a little bit darker and devolve into, you always wear gray. You should try something bright. Or those pants are terrible. You look really hippie in them. That was a direct quote, by the way, from one of my most famous mother-daughter duos. When this would happen, my Lindas would start to get confused and overwhelmed. And what started as a carefully structured working session designed to solve wardrobe problems and challenges devolved into sort of that fun girl's day where you just buy cute stuff because your friend told you to, and then you have no money and nothing to wear. And that was the best case scenario. At worst, with some of my more toxic mother-daughter Linda duos, the actual Linda's demeanor would change. And the tapes that had been playing in her head for years, you should dress this way, you should look that way, started to take over. And a woman who started the day believing that she could like the way she looked and have her wardrobe problem solved and, and have a wardrobe she loved, she retreated into a woman who accepted whatever tag along Linda said. My voice, the objective, knowledgeable outsider, usually wasn't strong enough to overcome years of excess baggage. Now, you're probably wondering how I put an end to this nonsense. Well, I started charging for guests. I added an hourly rate for each extra person who was there. I figured it would discourage those who weren't really serious about it, which was 95% of people who wanted to share their experience. And it would compensate me for the extra work and sometimes mental suffering I was in for if they wanted to go through with it. Once I started charging, I never had a difficult duo again. And I actually had some of those really fun girls days. I'm going to share one of my favorites in a future lesson from Linda. But for now, there are two things I want you to take away from my time with these tag-along Lindas. First, advice is only as good as the person giving it. Most tag-along Lindas were really good at dressing themselves, but that doesn't translate to being educated on how to dress other people. When you take style advice from the people in your life, no matter how stylish they are, most of the time what you're getting is their personal thoughts and opinions. This is a pretty blouse is very different than this blouse has a good neckline for you. This blouse is the right length for you or a good color for you, whatever it is. This is something I love to see in our Facebook community. Our members are educated and they give advice not based on what they like, but what's best for the person asking the question. They say things like, you should size down or try a curvier pant or the length of that sweater isn't best for your body. Try a half tuck. If you don't have style educated people in your life, you can absolutely listen to their advice, but take it with a grain of salt. And remember that cute or pretty in general doesn't automatically translate to best for you. The second lesson is people who make you feel bad about yourself or your style have no business being a part of your wardrobe decisions. Full stop. It doesn't matter if your mom or your sister doesn't like those pants. She doesn't have to wear them. So don't invite her feedback. 
If you've got a tricky relationship with your family members or even a tricky relationship with yourself, you are much better off leaving the people closest to you out of your decisions. Otherwise, the voices that seem so important will drown out yours. You'll make decisions based on what they think or what they say, or even how you think they think, instead of making your decisions on what you think and what you like and what you want, which frankly, those are the only things that matter. Don't be afraid to go on a style journey yourself. If you need help, get it from outsiders who aren't personally invested and have no skin in the game. You'll be much, much happier in the long run. Let's move on to our word of the week. It's sweater season, and there are a couple of words you might see in clothing descriptions that I thought I would explain today. Those words are intarsia and fair isle. Intarsia can also be pronounced intarsia. Neither one is wrong, and it's spelled I-N-T-A-R-S-I-A. Fair isle is just fair isle. I know you know that one. Technically, these terms are both knitting techniques, and I'll explain that first. Fair isle knitting is a technique where multiple colors of yarn are used throughout the entire row of knit, and then different stitches are used depending on what color you want to show. Fair isle knitting is mostly used for items where the pattern goes all the way around, like mittens or a hat or even a sweater. Intarsia, on the other hand, is a technique where different yarns are used only where they're needed and not carried throughout the entire row. Let's imagine you had a red sweater with a white star in the chest. I don't know, apparently we're creating the Macy's logo. But if the white is only used on the star, it wouldn't make sense to carry the white yarn all around the sweater and just drop it to the back where it wouldn't be seen. It would make sense to only use the white on the star. You can have intarsia patterns with more than one color, but it just means that the color yarn is only used where it's needed. As you know from listening to the show, technical terms can be pretty useless. You're more likely to associate Fair Isle with patterns that invoke winter and ski lodges, and that's fine. These terms aren't really something to get hung up on, but you'll see the term intarsia in clothing descriptions, and lots of women don't know what that means in terms of what they're getting. Intarsia knitting typically produces a lighter weight, less bulky sweater than Fair Isle or other knitting techniques because only the strands of color that you see are being used. There's not all that extra stuff hidden on the inside. Long story short, in clothing descriptions these days, when you see Fair Isle, it's almost always referring to a wintry Nordic-esque pattern, whereas when you see intarsia, it's referring to the technique itself. For visual reference, in case you need to see it, I will link to some intarsia sweaters and a couple of Fair Isle sweaters that I'm loving right now, since it is one of my favorite trends of winter 2020. All right, let's talk about philosophy. Right now, we are in the season of deals. My inbox is overflowing with sale, 50% off, save now, hurry, those kinds of emails, and I know yours is too. I may have mentioned in my gift guide episode that shopping for other people and giving gifts, those are my favorite things about the holiday season, but I have a problem and I know I'm not alone in this. When I get started holiday shopping for others, I turn into a one for you, one for me kind of shopper, and I end up buying myself a lot around the holidays. Makes it really hard to shop for me. I, I apologize to my husband in advance. So today's lesson is something that I need to remind myself as well, and that's this. You are not saving money when you're spending it on things you don't need or won't wear. 
There are lots of quotes floating around the internet about this subject, but the one I really want you to focus on is what I say all the time. The more excited you are about the price, the more you should rethink the purchase. And I'll take it a step further and say that if the only thing you're excited about is price, do not buy it. Price doesn't make anything fit you better, flatter you more, or be more useful to you. The other day, I saw a sale on Ugg slippers, and admittedly, it was a really good sale. For a minute, I thought, I've never seen them this low. I should get them. But then I remembered that hot shearling slippers are not my idea of comfort. They're kind of my worst nightmare. I would probably kick them off in about two minutes and never put them on again. I was excited to save almost 50% on slippers. I would hate and never wear. That's not saving 50%. That's wasting 100% of what I would have spent. A good deal is a sale on something you'd want, even if it wasn't on sale. There might be things out there that you love, but they're out of your budget or you can't justify the price right now. If those things get into the affordable range for you, get them. That's a good deal. But buying just because there's a sale is a really bad plan. You've heard of FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Make peace with sale FOMO, knowing that it's better to have fewer things you truly love than a bunch of good deals you're not crazy about. Let those sales just pass you by. Trust me, there will be another. In just a minute, we're going to get into part two of 10 rules for a fabulous functional wardrobe, and we will be right back. Ladies, I wanted to let you know that at the end of the month, the Style Circle will be closing its doors to new members for a little bit. So if you've been wanting the Winter Capsule Guide, the Masterclasses, the Facebook community, all of it for one low monthly cost, this is your last chance to get it for a bit. Our brand new Masterclass, Dressing Your Body Shape Like a Pro, will be debuting soon and our members are going to get it first. This class covers everything you need to know about understanding your body shape and dressing it well to help you become the expert in styling your unique body. The principles you'll learn in this class will help make style easier for the rest of your life. I am super excited about this one. I'm kind of returning to my body shape roots on this, and I would love for you to be one of the first ones to get it, but you've got to be a Style Circle member to do that. Head to youreverydaystyle.com and click the button to join us. And now back to the show. Okay, we are back and we are talking fabulous functional wardrobe rules, the second half. Before we get to them, though, let's talk about what the rules are and where they came from. These are the common mistakes and pitfalls I've seen women make over the last two decades and the most helpful solutions. The rules aren't really rules. You know I don't really believe in rules. You are free to take the ones that work for you and discard the rest. But when you're frustrated with your wardrobe, you might want to check in with the rules you don't think apply to you. Sometimes those are your biggest challenges. The rules are in no particular order. Everyone will have a number one rule, the, the thing that you should focus on first to get the biggest results. Some of these you're probably mastering already. We already talked about rules one through five, but here's a quick recap for a more in-depth explanation. Head back and listen to the part one episode. Rule number one is stop recreational shopping. Rule number two, build your wardrobe from the inside out and the bottom up. Rule number three is to focus on whole outfits. Rule number four, understand the difference between price and value. Rule number five is focus on the fit, which brings us to rule number six. Stop waiting for someday. 
I say this all the time, so it might not be new to you. If it's the first time you've heard it though, let me say, great, listen up. This one's important. Or maybe you've heard me say this a million times, but you still haven't broken up with your someday clothes. If that's the case, you not only need to listen up, you need to really hear this. Someday doesn't exist. You cannot find it on any calendar. It's a day that exists only in our minds with no real idea of when that would be or how you're going to get there. Someday clothes come in two forms usually. There's fit and utility. I want to talk about utility first. These are the clothes that you're saving because you think you might want to or need to wear them someday. Ladies, I can't stress this enough. The clothing apocalypse you're preparing for is never going to happen. There will never be an event that wipes out only the clothes you love, leaving behind your someday wardrobe. It's just not ever going to happen. The next time you need to do laundry, I mean really need to do laundry because you have quote unquote nothing to wear, I want you to go to your closet and look at all the clothes you could actually be wearing right now and just get rid of them. Those are the clothes you're saving for someday that you don't want to wear. They serve no purpose. Now, if you don't have any clean stay-at-home around the house clothes, don't go and toss your dress pants and blouses. That's comparing apples to oranges. But if there are casual tops and casual pants that you could wear but you don't want to, you can safely say someday has come and gone. If you're hanging on to that super warm, itchy sweater because someday it's going to be super cold and you'll want it, look back and say, wait a minute, on those really cold days that have happened, I didn't want to wear this sweater. There won't come a time where you're going to reach for those someday things. The other someday wardrobe is about fit. I'm going to get back into those pants someday. Someday is not a plan. It's a wish. And unless the pre-baby body fairy is visiting your house, wishes aren't helpful. A lot of women tell me they keep two small things in their wardrobe as motivation. And if that's you, pay really close attention to this part. Clothes that don't fit you mock you in the morning, but they don't motivate you during the day. I have never been at Starbucks and say, oh no, I've got jeans from 15 years ago that I can't wear when they ask if I want whipped cream on my cinnamon dolce latte. I say, yes, please. And then when I see those jeans in the morning, I I feel bad and remember the whipped cream, right? Actually, that scenario doesn't happen because I don't have jeans from 15 years ago that don't fit for a lot of reasons. Mostly though, because jeans from 15 years ago would look silly today. And also because having a wardrobe that makes me feel good about myself and makes it easy to get dressed today and every day is more important than getting back into some low-rise 2005 Gap jeans. In both cases, the women in my experience hang on to someday clothes long after they'd even want to wear them. So on the off chance those someday conditions do materialize, they don't reach from anyway. Your closet should be the boutique you shop from each morning, not a museum for the person you used to be or a storage facility for the person you hope to be. Rule number seven, buy for the life you really live. You know that old saying, dress for the job you want, not the job you have? I absolutely believe that's true, and that's a whole topic for another episode. And there is something to be said for aspirational dressing. I believe clothes are a great catalyst to help you reach your goals. But what I've seen over the years is aspirational shopping, which is not the same thing. Let me explain what the Linda story. Oh, it's a two-for-one Linda day. 
I worked with a Linda who wanted a whole new wardrobe, like a lot of my clients. She'd been staying home with kids for over a decade, and she was just tired of feeling dumpy and frumpy. She wanted to feel put together and polished. She was starting to go out more, do more things, volunteer in classrooms more, that sort of thing. Like a lot of my clients, she saw our time together as an opportunity to reinvent herself. And like a lot of women, she had an idea of how she wanted to look every day. On our shopping session, knowing she was a stay-at-home mom, I walked around the store picking up polished knits, comfortable pants, easy layers. Polished casual is sort of my specialty. That's my wheelhouse. At the same time, she was in the store shopping for what she liked. We met in the fitting room and she did not want anything that I picked out. She had pulled dress pants and blouses and blazers and dry clean only dresses. We had a pretty tense conversation and she said, I want to look different. I don't want what I've been wearing. And I said, okay, great. Let's try the pants you like. They were fitted ankle length dress pants with absolutely zero stretch and they looked phenomenal on her. They truly amazing. I said, okay, well tell me what you do during the day. And she told me she ran errands. She went to the park. She took her kids to the library. And I said, okay, we'll sit on the floor. And she looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, well, you probably sit on the floor with your kids at the library, right? And she admitted she did. So I said, go for it. Sit on the floor. She wasn't halfway down before she said, I can't sit on the floor in these. And I asked her what she would do the very next day when she wanted to feel put together, but all she had in her wardrobe were clothes she couldn't sit on the floor in. I said, will you put on these nice pants or will you reach for the comfortable things that make you feel frumpy? I already knew the answer, but I made her say it anyway. I like to hear that I'm that I'm right. I'm, I'm human that way. So we turned my to my pile. Everything was polished and refined, but casual, comfortable, could be thrown in the washing machine, and she could sit on the floor in it. That's how she really lived, and that's what she needed to buy for. So many women act as though the way they spend their days isn't their real lives. So they spend money and effort on their real lives that never actually happen, and they treat their everyday wardrobes as an afterthought. Put clothes into your wardrobes that work for the way you really live. They can be aspirational. They should be. They should, they should make you feel elevated, but they have to be functional. If you live in workout clothes, buy great aspirational workout clothes. If you wear jeans and t-shirts every day, buy great jeans and t-shirts. Don't settle for boring and unflattering because these are the things you're just wearing until your real life starts. This is your real life. Dress for it. Rule number eight. This is another thing you hear me say all the time, but you've got to be ruthless about editing your wardrobe. We have an episode about my three-step system. I'll link to that in the show notes. And we also have a masterclass that walks you through the process, gives you checklists, questions to ask yourself, so much more, all that stuff. I will link to that as well. But I cannot stress enough how easy, effortless, fabulous style does not come out of a confused, jumbled mess. Your unedited wardrobe is costing you time, money, style, and sanity. We just finished a live round of the Closet Edit Challenge in October, and one thing I heard over and over was about the mental weight that was lifted when women got rid of what wasn't working. Women discovered they actually had more to wear than they thought. They discovered shopping habits that needed to be broken. They honed their style. 
And just by getting rid of the clutter, they felt better about their bodies and the way they looked because they realized they had some really good, wonderful things. There were some really big life transformations that came about because of a wardrobe transformation. That's how powerful it can be. Cleaning out your wardrobe is the first step to great style and being ruthless about what you keep will do more for you than you can imagine. Remember, clothes you're ambivalent about will never add up to wardrobe you love. Rule number nine, don't forget about accessories. Accessories do two things. First, they maximize your wardrobe. You can do a lot more with somewhat basic clothing and a lot of accessories than you can with standout clothing and no accessories. This is one reason that women keep buying clothes and never have anything to wear. Every piece they own is a standout and there's really only one way to wear it. So while it's important to have those interesting standout pieces in your wardrobe, if you want a wardrobe that's more chameleon-like and more mix and match, choose great basics and standout accessories. The second thing accessories do is that they take you from dressed to well-dressed. They put a finishing stamp on your outfit and they inject your personal style. 10 women can wear a pair of jeans and a white t-shirt, but when you add your personal style through accessories, the outfit becomes your own. In my experience, women forget about accessories in three ways. First, they forget to buy them. A lot of the women I've worked with over the years had good-sized collections of accessories that they'd gathered throughout their lifetimes, but they weren't really connected to their current style or wardrobe. So they'd ask when we were making outfits, what necklace could I wear with this? And often, even though they had a lot of necklaces, what they had didn't work. They got into their heads that they just were bad at accessorizing. They didn't know how to choose things, but that wasn't the case at all. They just hadn't put any now accessories into their now wardrobes. Second, going along with forgetting to buy them, they forget to edit them. Accessories date just like clothes, but most women don't regularly go through their accessories and say, oh, this doesn't look current, or this isn't my style anymore, or I don't like the way this necklace feels. Every woman I worked with had a drawer full of scarves, just taking up space that they'd probably forgotten about or they didn't even like anymore, but they felt like, oh, it's a scarf, it's timeless, maybe I'll wear it someday. If you haven't worn accessories in years, it's time to go through them. As always, my favorite way to tell if your items still look current is to look online at the stores where you like to shop, the ones that really embody your style. Are they selling things, even accessories that look like what you have? If the only place you can find that bubble necklace is eBay, chances are it's not current, or at least it doesn't reflect the style you want to have today. The third thing women forget is to wear them. If you've got accessories you love, but you find yourself ne never wearing them, you might have to just train yourself to get in the habit of putting an extra thing on. Pick out your outfit the night before and put a necklace or a bracelet, or scarf with it, or put a post-it note on your mirror to add one more thing. After a while, it will become second nature, but until then, you just have to remind yourself to make the effort. I know a lot of us are a lot less accessorized these days, and there are women who simply don't love a lot of extras, and that's okay. Accessorizing doesn't have to mean a giant bracelet stack or a huge scarf. In fact, the trend of accessories has become more minimal over the last couple of years. A simple coin or initial pendant necklace adds a little something something to your look, and a pair of basic studs can add some finish. If you're really someone who hates the extras, that's okay too. Just choose accessories that you do use, like shoes or handbags or watches, that go beyond basic and have polish and inject your personality. 
finally, rule number 10, create a fabulous functional closet. Now you say, wait a minute, haven't we been talking about this the whole time? No, we've been talking about creating a fabulous functional wardrobe. And again, there's a big difference. Your wardrobe, as you know from listening to the show, is all the clothes you can and do wear. It's not all the clothes you own. It's just what you can and do wear. Now, your closet is the physical space that houses your wardrobe. So this would include your dressers as well. You can have a fabulous wardrobe, but if you can't find it, if it's difficult to access, it doesn't do you a lot of good. When you have a closet that is beautiful, well-organized, functional, you instantly elevate your style. It's impossible not to when you can find things easily. In the Ultimate Closet Makeover Masterclass that I mentioned earlier, there are two main sections. The first is on editing your wardrobe, getting rid of the things that aren't working. And the second is transforming your closet and organizing things in a way that makes sense for you and maximizing your space. That's the functional part. And then there's making simple upgrades like better shelving, good hangers, uh, pretty paint color. That's the fabulous part. When we did the closet edit challenge a couple of months ago, women were super excited about getting rid of things, but when they added some lights or better storage to their closet, it was truly transformative. So don't neglect the physical space that houses your wardrobe. I'll link to the class in the show notes if you need help with this part, but light up those dark corners, swap for nicer hangers, upgrade your full length mirror to a floor mirror if you've got the space. Everyone can have a more Pinterest worthy closet, even if your closet is a tiny shoebox. And again, when your closet looks that good, you'll want your wardrobe too as well. All right, there you have it. Part two of our 10 rules for a fabulous functional wardrobe. Your homework is to pick one or two of these rules to focus on for the next few weeks. I would love to hear which ones you've chosen. And you can come share that on Facebook or Instagram at Everyday Style with Jen. We'll see you next week. And until then, stay stylish. Class is dismissed for today, but the conversation doesn't have to end. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash podcast for show notes, freebies, and links to connect with me on social media. And if the Everyday Style School podcast is making style easier and more fun for you, it would make my day if you would subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share it with your friends so women everywhere can have more fun with style. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.